Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, welcome to another episode of the Raptors Over Everything podcast. My name is Amit Mann. Joining me today to preview uh, the rest of the players on the Toronto Raptors. We did an episode yesterday, and now we got another one today is uh, Yasmin Duale. Thank you so much for joining me. How you doing? How are for things? For having me. Yes, yeah, so you're going to be uh, helping us out throughout the NBA season with our Raptors coverage, one of the many people that we're bringing on board. So excited to have you. Um Early thoughts on the Toronto Raptors, just like the vibe. I mean, they're back in Toronto. They're so excited. You can kind of tell like Malachi Flynn's like, it's kind of cool to not be, you know, in a ballroom anymore for practice. Like the facility's so nice. So um, the vibes right now, how are they? Um, It looks like everyone is just excited. Like we saw the clips of everyone dancing over at practice and everything. So I feel like everyone's in good spirits um, just being in the city. And it hasn't even begun yet. We haven't seen... Um, the at capacity arenas and the you know the fans that are going to be enjoying the show finally but um, it's it's already started on a good foot so um, I'm excited to see like what it's like when the season actually begins as well. I was talking to Iman about this the other day and um, she's kind of in the same boat as myself and probably a lot of other people that people are a little bit too down on the Toronto Raptors because while I mean they've lost Kyle Lowry and you know last season was tumultuous it was bad in every single way but you know, top to bottom, their roster is better. And I would think that, you know, playing in Toronto will at least contribute to them having a better season. Um, Do you think people are a little bit too down on them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I agree 100%. I think that um, last season left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. And then you couple it with the, um, that series against the Celtics. Like it was just a series of bad if unfortunate events happening to them in succession. So mm-hmm. I think that uh, it kind of left everyone with a bad taste in their mouth, including fans. Um, and that I think that once they start playing here, all of the things will align. And I feel like they're probably going to overachieve as well. So um, I think that the, they're, they're going to endear themselves to the fans once again, really easily, I think. So although people are down right now, I give it like two weeks into the season where it's going to flip. <laughs> two weeks that's all it's gonna take well yeah, I mean so we're also excited for days, the fortnight, that's it. yeah exactly um let's start with another player that we're really excited about the whole fan base is and he's also the most beloved well is Pascal or OG more beloved probably over the past OG. while yeah now OG's everyone's baby. <laughs> yeah he is um let's start with OG all right so last season towards the the tail end of it he definitely took um, a few strides forward. Maybe it was just opportunity. Maybe it was development throughout the season, but uh, the Norm Powell trade happened and the Raptors kind of just went all in on trying to develop players like him and other players on the bench and giving guys um, a different look and more playing time and higher usage. And he took advantage of it, right? Okay. And um, it was it was surprising in some ways, but I think with OG, we've, we've been taught that you have to kind of expect the unexpected with him because he, he's just that kind of player, although he's a little bit jerky, a little bit awkward in his movements. Um, he gets the job done. 
And his three-point shooting has been um, probably one of the biggest areas of growth for him. And now he's getting into this phase where he's going to be given the ball more. He's going to be able to create more off the dribble. He's going to be asked to take more shots. So yeah. what do you what do you think is a fair expectation to to get from OG this season? Um, I think that the fair expectation would be to see him. I, I guess like it would be less superficial. So I don't think fans should hone in on the box uh, the box score, but um, yeah. I think that what they should do is see if he is able to string together all the skills he's been developing over the years. So uh, we've seen him improve his shot. We've seen him improve his self-creation the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kept his uh, defense at a high standard. If anything, he's improved as an on-ball defender, uh, as sure. a team defender. So I think what fans should expect to see is him being able to like simultaneously show all these skills on the court. So um, I think that would be the fair expectation for OG. Um, I, I think that to assign him, like I expect 20 points per game because he had, he was averaging around 19 when Norm left. I think that's setting yourself up for disappointment, but yeah. um to just to expect him to do um to to continue to take that kind of steady growth year after year that he's demonstrated if you put a number on it um (laughs) what he will i know you said you don't want to but if you were going to it was 15.9 points per game last year and obviously you know in the tail end like i mentioned it was more closer to 18 so what do you think you know what the season's end where is he going to be in points per game as a guess yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I like setting myself up for disappointment. So um, I'm <laughs> going to say that I'm going to say that. Um, hmm. I'm gonna, yeah, I think that the the norm trade was probably a good signal for where he would land uh, yeah. after perhaps the full season of play. So I think around 18 to 19 points per game would mm. be a fair assessment for OG. Um, I think that I I would say 20, but I feel like that would require um He's a, I don't think he's the, it depends on what type of player he'll end up being. So I think that uh, some players are the type that will demand the ball. I don't know yeah. what OG's personality type is as a star, as a fringe all-star, which I think that he might develop into uh, next season. So we'll see if he's a guy who will be um, the type of player to take a back seat to Pascal and take over when necessary, kind of like how, kind of like the role Pascal fulfilled when he was playing alongside Kawhi. Yeah. then, you know, you know, around 18 points per game uh, or 16 to 18 or 16 to 20 is fair. Um, but if he's going to be like a full-on co-star, like, it, you know, it just depends on how the season pans out. I don't think you're setting yourself for, for failure with, uh, with the prediction. <laughs> like that. I think that's, I think no, that's yeah, I can't be disappointed with OG. It's, OG. <laughs> like, it's impossible, right? He could have like a string of games where he gets like five points and people are still like, yeah, but I mean, he's such a nice guy and he's so OV cool. Owl. Did you see it? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Oh, he's a dog. <laughs> um, I was thinking about what would be fair. And then I started thinking about other player types that would kind of resemble, you know, his, his body type, his skill set. And hear me out with this, but Andre Gudala came to mind. And looking at Andre's last season or second last season with the 76ers, because then he went to, or uh, it wasn't second last, but maybe 24 years old um, in 07, 08. And Andre averaged 19.9 points per game. His field goal percentage was 45%. He averaged uh, five rebounds, four assists, two steals, and almost a block. And then, you know, obviously uh, the numbers went down and then he went to Golden State and then he won championships and yada, yada, yada. But yeah. that was kind of like peak Andre Godala at that time. Yeah. And I, I think it's fair to say that 
OG's going to be better than, than Andre, right? Even And that's like a yeah. hell of a thing to say because Andre was an incredible player in the NBA. And now we're here we are saying OG Anobi is going to be that much better. But next season, I could see something like that kind of happening because he does have a sneaky upside with uh, his passing. He's better yeah. than people probably think he is. And um, the rebounding, you know, Andre was at 5.4. I would prefer to see it around 7. Maybe, oh, maybe that's yeah, yeah, too optimistic, yeah. but I think, I mean, especially we're going to get into it in a few seconds, but uh, the rebounding has been an issue for the Toronto Raptors. A lot of it is just because of their style of play. It's very for aggressive. Years. So, yeah. yeah, no, no question. But it's, it's the style, right? That's what Nick wants to do. Um, even when they had like Mark and Serge, like you had, you know, seven footers there and they still sucked at rebounding. So I think that is going to last. That's going to be an issue and it's going to consistently be that, but um, getting that to around seven more defensive rebounds. And I think that'd be very valuable for the Toronto Raptors and also for his career. Like he should be a better rebounder. Yeah. 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 I think it's just about, yeah. I think it's about opportunity positioning. Um, It hasn't really been his role to grab them, but on the times where he's been required to do so, or it's something that coaching is stressed, um, say they were especially thin at big. So Mm -hmm. um, you would see OG have those random nights where he's grabbing every board, but uh, yeah, I'd like to see it on a consistent level, what it looks like. I think that's what's exciting about the season. It just gives us, um, more data to work with, uh, when it comes to OG. Oh, we need more. We need any information we can get on OG because he's certainly <laughs> not going to tell us anything. Not going to so. tell us anything. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. Like last season we were talking like, oh, he's coming out of his shell. And that was him like saying 10 words versus five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but- yeah. Like, like, oh, he's really opening up. <laughs> yeah, that's his version of opening up is saying 10 <laughs> words instead of five. Um, if you could pinpoint an area of his offense that you'd like to see him take the biggest leap, what would it be? Um, it would probably be his handle because mm-hmm. uh, I think that would just uh, string together all of the skills we've seen him develop. So like that self-creation, the shooting, if he was able to get a handle to string these things together, it would just open up so many plays for him. We can see him operate in the pick and roll at various levels on the court. Um, yeah. We can see him, um, you know, I was mentioning this um, the other day, but uh, if he was to um, act as that kind of release valve for the lead scorer on the team, it would be really mm-hmm. great. And that's what is so awesome about having that opportunity. It's like a happy accident to have that opportunity in the be- beginning of the season uh, without Pascal so that he can, um, get his feet wet, learn um, how to operate with the burden of the offense placed on him. So yeah, yeah, I think that would be the thing that I'd see, I'd want to see improve or, and I think that he has been working on it um, the past couple of years consistently. So um, with more reps, it's naturally something that's going to improve. Because we are yet to see a game, all we're going off of is, uh, you know, YouTube runs and whatever clips that the Raptors are posting. And they posted something the other day, and it was an OG dribble combination where, I mean, it just happened very fast. It was through the legs. It was was behind the back. It was a step back, shot from around the free throw line. And I was just like, ooh, ooh, okay, (laughs) okay, okay. Yeah, (laughs) it's nice that. Sometimes when players who don't typically handle the ball, handle the ball in these runs, you see the ball like heading to the left yeah. and the right. Like, it's like <laughs> an NBA player is easily going to pick that off. Um, but it, it was very, it was a very contained handle, which I wanted, which I wanted to see. And that's like uh, promising already. No, no question. And uh, you mentioned the dribbling. I think that's, um, or this handle, that's something that it has to improve. But um, I would also look at his, his balance and mm-hmm. it's kind of an odd thing to say because he's probably, he's obviously very I mean, coordinated for, for his terms, right? I mean, that, that body type and that size, like there's going to be some awkwardness perhaps, but um, 
when he gets underneath the basket and he's trying to find ways to finish and he's made his move and it didn't work. And now he's like, he's like, what do I do now? He tends to like kind of fade a little bit and yeah. he's not really going up strong. And that's natural because you're uncomfortable. You have guys bearing, barreling down on you. Um, it would be great to see him have a little bit more composure in that area. And also, so it balance kind of goes with that as well, is that you're composed, you're staying strong on your feet, and then you're going back up and you're, you're, you're giving it your best go. And then also his, uh, his free throw shooting. It would be cool to see that go up because it should. He's going to be in the paint a lot and maybe uh-huh. just needs to spend some time and get some respect from the, free, from the officials. God knows Fred Van Vliet's not going to get it. So yeah. maybe maybe uh, maybe OG does. And then just that alone is going to help him average more points per game. Um, what are your thoughts on OG not being as big a part of the defense? And when I say that, I mean, he's not going to be the guy that's constantly guarding the other team's best player, you mm-hmm. know, small forward, power forward, whatever the case may be, because, you know, they have so much more length now. And there are other players on the roster that could probably help out in that area. And I would like to see, you know, as we've seen with other star players that they conserve their energy for the offensive end. Right. So you're not going to put them on the best defensive player, maybe, you know, towards the end of games and high leverage situations and um, star players, things like that. If a dude's cooking you, then you got to put OG on him. But what are your thoughts on something like that? Uh, I feel like it's not Nick nurse's style to, um, Drill him into the ground, right? Pressure. Yeah. I think he will 42 minutes play both ends of the court plenty of times. This is a guy who expected Kawhi to be the lead scorer and defend Giannis for a whole series. Like, this is, yeah, yeah. If, he, if, he, if you happen to be the best defender and you're expected mm-hmm. to produce offensively, he's going to make you do both. Like, uh, I don't think he it computes for him that, you know, there might be energy expended on, on that end and might affect this end. Like, I think that he thinks that if you have the potential to be like, yeah. Uh, a star player you should be able to um to carry both responsibilities so uh, i wouldn't be surprised if we see og defending the best players and being expected to um score at a high level um you know if i i, I just don't see i think we've seen even um pascal in situations where he's expected to guard ad and score against ad <laughs> so yeah. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to let up when it comes to OG either. And I think OG is the type of player who's going to want the challenge. We've seen yeah. him demand, um, you know, if a player's hot, he, he will say that he wants to guard this player. So I think that he has the right mentality um, to not, you know, it's not a situation, I think, where you're talking about a player who is um, perhaps a veteran who needs um, less, uh, t- less energy expenditure on one end. So, um, I would, I would expect him to do both. <laughs> Damn. He's going to be so tired. I'm tired yeah, thinking about playing <laughs> the high usage on one end. And then, um, the most important defensive player on the other end, maybe also Fred Van Vliet could be that guy too. Um, mm-hmm. anything else on OG or should we move on to the other beloved one? Um, no, I think that's everything on OG. It's just, we don't have that much uh, data to work on, like I mentioned. So that's what is, yeah. is most exciting about the upcoming season. We'll have a season of OG as a top producer on the team. So that's that's what's most exciting. Speaking of top producers, so Pascal, um, bit of a, a turbulent year last year. Um, yeah, statistically, easily. I mean, I think it's fair to say that he actually wasn't that bad, but it was the missed game winners. It was... Um, yeah. Yeah, the little rift he had with Vic Nurse, it's the losing. And he's mentioned that he's never lost like that in his entire career. Fred Van Leet said mm-hmm. the same thing too. That's why last year was so much of an outlier. Um, but a lot of people 
many people, not myself exactly, I'm not sure about you, but they got down on him. They felt like he had regressed. He's taking steps back. He's not the guy, yada, yada, yada. Are you glass half full or glass half empty on Pascal going forward in this as a max player? I'm glass half full because I think that he's already earned the max contract thing. I think that's a non-discussion, you know, being the number two producer on a championship team. Like, I think he's already a proven player in that sense. Um, And also um, I think what is something we can take away is that that season, last season seemed a lot worse than it actually was. Um, He's actually improved in a lot of areas as fans Mm -hmm. know he's improved as a playmaker. I consider him to be a good playmaker, not, not just above average. Um, he, um, apparently couldn't dribble with both hands because of his shoulder injury that was lingering, um, for a longer season than we even anticipated. So it might've affected shot too. Um, and his shooting is what took the biggest downturn. Um, and one thing that I found, um, promising was that even though he was continually disappointed with the outcome of his, um, game winner attempts, he would still demand the ball at the end of the game and be expected by Nick Nurse to take that opportunity and do it anyways. And he was doing it the entire season. Whenever there was a crunch time moment, he wasn't shying away from his shot attempts. He wasn't shying away from those moments. So uh, if there's anything we could take away, it means that when he's entering next season, healthier um, in Toronto, possibly happier um, with the situation, uh, he would still be taking the same opportunities he did last season and have, hopefully having a better result because of all of the variables that are kind of working in his favor now. I want to proceed with happy Pascal, but looking at last season, all those game winners that were missed, the one that sticks out the most was the one against the Timberwolves, where he oh, missed like, that, that point blank layup. And then after he missed it, you could hear him say, oh, my God, like what? <laughs> because- we reached reached the point uh in that season last season where he would miss it i think it was against the jazz he'd miss it and start laughing and then the team would start laughing too because it became like a running joke like how does this happen like not even a bad nba player would make like 40 something percent of their shot attempts so there was obviously like some bad like energy or just something not working oh there was lots Uh, of that in florida (laughs) lots of there's something off so it just became almost comical towards the end even fans were kind of like ah he's gonna do it and then he misses like hey I remember that shot too. I forgot about that one. It was, uh, it was kind of like, you know, broke a shot clock. It was going down. It was a deep three too. Like it was, you know, well behind the actual line in and out. And he's just like, what do you do? And that was when they were trying to (laughs) find their season and rally it. And that's when everyone was healthy after COVID and healthy ish, because all of them were still feeling the effects of it, but they're all Mm -hmm. playing back, back together. But yeah, that was a, that was a wild one. I can, I think, Pascal's in a much better spot now. And I'm basing this off of media day. Um, and also that he's opened up the comments on his IG now, which was a really yeah. nice thing to see that to me, I mean, it, it's maybe a small thing to some people, but to me that shows like he's, he's reached a level of acceptance with how he's going to be perceived by media fans, things like that. And there's a comfort with who he is. And he was always been that person that said that, you know, I'm going to keep on improving. I'm going to keep on doing my thing and I'm just going to keep on growing. And the, the max contract and the expectations and, you know, some of those were put on by um, Raptors management, Nick Nurse. I remember uh, my former colleague, Bill Lou, he had an interview with Nick Nurse um, and uh, Nick said like, you know, it's his next step is being the guy. 
right? And that was before, that was after Kawhi left in, in that offseason. So the expectations were there and, and put on him. And um, things didn't work out, right? Yeah. He was instantly being compared to Kawhi in the season that he had. And that was completely unfair. Like, you can't compare Pascal to Kawhi. That's not, that's not reasonable. Um, and so now, uh, looking at where he is with, with things, he was smiling a lot on media day. The vibes, again, were incredible. I'm saying vibes a lot, but they really yeah. were... The, it's a perfect again. word. <laughs> yeah, it, that's what it is. And like I did a compilation because it, it really it stuck out to me that uh, how much he was smiling. I did a, a compilation on the YouTube or the Yahoo channel and uh, our Twitter and our IG and stuff like that. And it was just him constantly smiling. And, you know, Doug Smith asked him a question about that New York Times article where he had talked about not uh, really feeling like he was given, you know, the keys to being the guy because yeah. Kyle was there and stuff like that. And he just had this like little smirk. He's like, here we go. And, <laughs> But he wasn't running from it. He was like, that's going to come. It's okay. Yeah. Smile. Yeah. Um, so he's in a much better spot that uh, I think it's going to help him. Even that alone is going to help him be, be in a better spot when he does come back. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think it's going to impact him missing that little first six weeks, seven weeks, whatever it's going to be? Um, I would think that in the beginning, he would um, perhaps have like an adjustment period adjusting to um the new play like the new elements to the team but what's interesting is that these guys have a lot of experience um without Kyle on the court um you know Kyle especially towards the last couple years I feel like he's had chunks of games where he's missed a little part of the season here and there and they've been able to just really maturely um kind of uh play in, in his style without him present on the court. So using the tools that they've learned from the mentorship that he's provided um, and being able to translate it on the court. And they have a pretty impressive win-loss record without Kyle present. So I think that it'll be an adjustment period. I wouldn't be surprised if there was losing. Um, There's, um, you know, with Pascal and OG eating up a lot of the usage, there's still Scotty uh, Barnes who has to find his place on the team. So um, what's going to be interesting is seeing how these three players who are probably going to be, oh, even, I didn't even mention Fred, but, um, yeah. Fred, OG and Pascal are going to be the top offensive producers, but they're going to have to find a way to incorporate Scotty into the fold. Um, mm-hmm. so it's going to be, uh, I think there's going to be a challenging period where, but Scotty's probably the best rookie to deal with that. <laughs> so I feel like dance might- through it. He's yeah, just gonna he's, dance through it. He's dance through it, smile through it. He's gonna be fine. Like he's yeah. he's gonna find a spot pretty quickly. I feel like. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be. There's gonna be an adjustment period, is what I mean. I gotcha. Um, with uh, with Pascal and kind of where he's gonna be. It's it's interesting that he had said at the tail end of last season. I think it was uh, during the uh, uh, the locker room cleanout that he kind of found that he had bulked up a little bit too much heading into the previous season. And that, um, after COVID he lost weight, um, because that's one of the side effects of COVID. And he said that he kind of felt like it more himself more that he was at a weight that he was more comfortable. He's a bit more agile, a bit faster. Was, yeah. And, uh, that's something other thing that impacted the season, right? When you're adjusting to new strength, um, new abilities, um, more muscle, it's going to impact, uh, your shooting for sure. And also just you're running like it's gonna everything, right? Yeah. And um, him getting back to kind of the, the weight that he is comfortable at, is, I think is gonna help him quite mm. a bit. And then just, uh, I mean, is there an area that you'd like to see him kind of make some 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 strides in this season when he does come back? Um, hmm. I would like to see his shooting return to what it was. Um, I think that would be the best improvement for him. Yeah. Um, and we know that when uh, Pascal has his shooting, 
he already has his self-creation. He already has, he's improved his mid-range last season. It was a thing that came out and it looked good consistently last season. Mm-hmm. So we know that he can look like a straight up top 20 player uh, when all of the, you know, all guns are blazing. So I, I would just hope that um, his shooting would improve and he would start to look like himself. That's like all you can ask for with Pascal because as is, um, when he is himself, which he wasn't in the bubble, which he wasn't in Tampa, um, he's one of the best players in the league. It's why he was an all-star. It's why he was all NBA. It's why he was, you know, all every accolade was being thrown at him left, right, and center because mm, um, when, when everything looks like it, when everything's right, he can he looks like one of the best players in the NBA. No doubt about it. I uh, yeah, similar kind of thing for me. I want to see that shooting get back to where it was. I mean, he averaged like twenty two point nine points per game last year, um, or maybe a little bit south of that. And uh, it was a bit of a dip down from the previous season. But I mean, if he shoots like twenty nine percent from three, and he gets that, yeah, exactly right. And so that mid range too. That's like the area that um, I'm I'm sneakily hoping that improves quite a bit because like some of the best scores in the NBA, if you look at them, they're mid range kinks. Mm-hmm. And having that, it's it's probably the most difficult shot to make because it's a lot more traffic around you, and um, you got to have to use like your handle a little bit more to create that space, like a Demar, a Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, uh, CJ McCollum. In some ways, like these are guys that just have that ability, and they've uh, work on the mechanics, and they're at a high level at that point. And once you have it, like you become a completely different player. Um, so yeah. that may not be something that he adds this season, or maybe it's something that uh, happens over the f- next few years, but that would be a huge difference maker. It's going to make his offense so much easier, but I mean, the Raptors just having better players around him this year is going to help him so much more. Uh, you mentioned the assists, like they could have been a lot higher last year if oh, yeah. there were better players around him, right? <laughs> there were uh, a yeah. lot of, I swear, if, if we just had someone else outside of Baines, <laughs> Uh, alongside Pascal I feel like that was like two assists per game just thrown out dropped like oh god well that's a great pivot because we're let's touch on the guy that is replacing Aaron Baines uh, Kem Birch so he signed a new contract with the Toronto Raptors he pulled the DeMar and said that I'm not going to listen to any other contracts no phone calls no nothing I want to be a Toronto Raptor and they're like okay we'll bring you back um, in his time with the Raptors, though, so we were talking, I was it, 19 games. He yeah. averaged uh, 30 minutes per game, 11.9 points, 7.6 rebounds, um, almost a steal, and 1.2 blocks. So that's 19 games, sample size right there, and that earned him a new contract. So I guess, were you surprised that he was able to perform that way last season? I was, yeah. Um, I kind of knew what Ken was about, but... Um... I feel like he's just a, he's solid. That's the thing about Ken Burge. He's, uh, he's solid. He's um, the type of guy who will bring it consistently on a nightly basis. He has a job on the court. He's going to go and he's going to do that job, which I think is like in need (laughs) in the Raptors uh, roster. There's a lot of like potential and hypotheticals that we're talking (laughs) about with every player, but Ken Burge is going to do what he has to do. I feel the same way about Yuta Watanabe. Like, um, they're just, they're these guys who come on the court for, to do a job, you know what I mean? So, um, they need as many players to, uh, fulfill that on the roster, um, consideringly, you know, everything that we're talking about. So, um, you know, Kem is, Kem is so solid. Like I, I, I want to see, I, I saw them, um, challenge him as a corner three shooter, which is not something I feel like he was doing throughout his career. So, um, seeing him just immediately, he came in, he was being put in those corners to stretch the floor. So I want to see if that's a consistent thing that comes up and if he can become a sustained threat from the corners, which would just, you know, change his game so much. 
Absolutely. And he had mentioned something like that, you know, at the end of last season saying that he wants. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. To become a better three-point shooter. And again, um, during media day, he said that he's been working on that. He's been working on his push shot, um, being able to score in that pick and roll situation with Fred Van Vliet. You know, he, uh, Fred never, never really be able to, to get that chemistry going with Serge when they were together, yeah. but being able to figure out something between him and Cam would be a huge asset, uh, whether it's rolling or even, if, you know what, maybe it's the push shot or it's a mid-range shot, whatever the case may be, um, it's going to change who the Raptors are going to be this year. Um, so in some ways, you know, Cam Birch is actually critical to what the Raptors do. Um, they have been pushing this positionless aspect of their games, and this is their, their new uh, ideology that they're going to be going forward with. So there could be a lot of scenarios where he's not on the floor, or maybe he's playing 20 minutes sometimes and it's 30, mm-hmm. and then it's 15, who knows, because you know some other players uh, have stepped up and they got something going. So his minutes could be up and down a little bit. And even from you know, last season, like that uh, what I had mentioned, 11 points, seven, six, seven rebounds, it could be you know south of that. It could be lower just because the Raptors are going to be changing and adjusting and trying so many different things early on that maybe Ken's minutes won't always be as consistent as they, as they should have been perhaps, or as they could be as uh, compared to last season, but he's going to be steady. He's going to, he knows what he has to do and he's going to keep on doing it, which is a, a great thing to see, but on the Raptors rebounding, because we know that they're bad at it and they've been yeah. bad at it for a long time. Are you concerned about it at all? Um, no, I feel like I've just accepted that no matter who's on the court, their defensive philosophy will be to run back in transition yeah. and stop the opposition <laughs> basket. Like they're not, they're not a type to um, linger after shot attempts. They are running away from the rebound usually. So, yeah. um, you know, I feel like it, they only changed that game plan. Like, I, I feel like if you look at the Raptors bench, every basket attempt, you see Bjorkren telling them to get the hell back. <laughs> like, what do you, don't, don't ball watch, start yeah. running. Um, yeah. so I think that's just their philosophy, um, under Nick nurse. So, um, and unless they, I've, I've noticed sometimes he'll tell them, um, within like a present, you know, scenario in a particular game, he may tell them, Hey, get the rebound, um, to fit that scenario. But 
Uh, otherwise, they're running away from the basket after shot attempts. That's funny. They're running away from the from the ba- from the ball. Literally <laughs> running away. Yeah. Uh, that's good times. I think they're going to be better just because they're going to have more size. Maybe they don't that have too, more seven yeah. footers, but more athleticism is uh, is going to help. Right. And, uh, you know, that two point guard lineup that they did a lot last season with yeah. Fred and Kyle, great defensively. But, you know, when it comes to rebounding, you know, six one is six one. And uh, that's just kind of what it is. But having more size across the board is going to help. And then, you know, when Kem is in a position where he's going to be, you know, switching or if he's going to be contesting shots, having a f- guys with, you know, six nine and six eight behind you, as opposed to someone who's six five, six four, I mean, obviously it's going to help a lot. Yeah. Um, anything else on Kem or no, no, I think that's to? everything with Kem Birch. The fact yeah. that he stayed on such a bargain was like and didn't even listen to other deals and everything. That was that was something. His we're agent, not used to that as Raptors fans. Like, I know. What? <laughs> His agent said that he turned down offers that uh, would have given him more money. That oh, could absolutely. just be an agent being an agent, 6.3 million per season. So who knows? But I mean, maybe, right? Like he, it was a good sample size that he was given and uh, that he had with the Raptors and it kind of showed what his potential was. And he's been preaching that I always had this. I just need the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was, but I, I'm excited for him. I think he's going to do what his job is. And that's all you can really ask for from yeah. a player in his position. Um, another guy who is going to be uh, kind of dealing with some higher expectations and uh, trying to deal with, you know, being a more consistent player is Chris Boucher the new power forward for the first six weeks or so of, uh, of the Raptors season. So with Chris, I mean, we saw him have uh, a, a, a lot of games that were just really impressive. Like he had mm-hmm. a string of where it was like, you know, double doubles and 20 and tens. And um, that was, you know, at the center position, we don't know where he's going to be necessarily this year. It seems like it's going to be a lot of power forward. And also they're preaching positionless. So who knows who's going to be the center exactly. It could just, I guess, be the person who's tallest on the court. <laughs> whatever yeah. it's going to be but uh now he's going to this year and he's talked a lot about being a bit more consistent on the defensive end he wants to you know be less uh jumpy i suppose and yeah. and that comes with you know having a better understanding of what's coming uh, the tendencies of the players coming at him um so what do you uh, what do you feel about chris this year um what do you want to see from him those first six weeks or so with pascal out i guess on the offensive end um Hmm. For Chris, I think, yeah, I think that what he said is pretty accurate. Um, offensively, he is golden. You know, he's such a unique player mm-hmm. um, at his height. You, no one can really block his shot. He's a willing shooter, which is yeah. um, something that's always needed on the Raptors. Um, and, too you know, willing, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think that he offensively, he's, he's perfectly fine. Um, defensively, that's what is the issue with keeping him on the court for extended periods of time. He uh, players catch on. They know that he's reactive. It's on the scouting um, report. Um, They know that he's going to jump at any (laughs) given attempt, even though he doesn't have to, he's like seven something. Like you don't need to leap every time a guard attempts a three, like you, it doesn't make any sense. So that's so cool though. When he blocks those three point shots, I will say great. Yeah. Um, Great for his IG gallery. (laughs) those stories like 30 uh, clips of the same play um but yeah so no he's 100% correct it's just the defensive and increasing his IQ I think he did I think he improved as a team defender last season I feel like I saw less um frustrating mistakes it was just the leaping at the uh uh, shot attempts which I, I kind of begun to accept as just like a 
you know, a part of his playing personality, but um, I would love to see him curb that, you know, aspect of his game. And he's just going to see more extended minutes on the court because he's like a great player to have um, present there. So yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's a, it's a contract year for him too. So uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot riding on this season. Uh, the Raptors gave him a hefty raise based off of, you know, what other contracts that he's gotten his NBA career. And he, his story actually is pretty incredible, regardless of all of this, that he's been able to build himself to a player who's making six, seven million. And now probably this next contract should be a little bit, uh, a little bit higher. Um, mm-hmm. But with him now, uh, because it seems like he's going to be playing more power forward and uh there's this different expectations on the offensive end i find with with that if he's not necessarily the guy who's going to be uh, rolling to the bucket as much he's going to be doing the pick and pops he's going to have to diversify his offense just a bit and i think he's been working on it you know being more of a, a dribbler not that you want to do him him doing that all the time because that's not a good idea but he's going to have to be yeah. able to you know make a few dribbles from the three-point line and try and make a shot, right? That's stuff that has to be perhaps in his, in his arsenal if he wants to get that hefty payday um, coming up here. And it would be interesting to see if he's able to, to do that and what's he's, what he's been working on in the offseason because uh, that's, that's going to be a big one for him. Yeah, yeah. I would love for him to um, become like that kind of mid-range pick-and-pop guy like Serge was. We already know he can do that on the perimeter, but to see him um, perhaps do it closer to the basket, that would be really cool. Because, again, he's like over seven feet tall. It's going to be hard for anyone to contest that. Because the center position is a bit different this year with uh, Precious being there and Kem um, still being kind of new with the Toronto Raptors, although he has he is really smart and uh, he has a really, really good rapport with uh, Nick Nurse. But early on, this is going to be an important time for Chris, because like you had mentioned with Pascal out, I mean, you don't want to fall too behind in the standings. Like I was looking at some yeah. of the opponents and um, would not be surprised if they're a little bit below 500 when Pascal comes back because there's some tough games and it's a big moment for him. Like they're going to need point production from him. It's going to be really, really important. And also they're trying to implement uh, new offense strategies, um, different players, because this is a very different roster compared to last season. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be a, it's going to be a a critical time for Chris. And he's going to be able to put his stamp on, on his impact on the roster and and the team this year early on. Um, Anything else on Chris or once again, should we proceed? Yeah, let's proceed. I think I said everything Chris related. <laughs> I was talking about it yesterday too. I'm like Chris out. <laughs> Chris out. I, I spent a while talking about him yesterday. I mean, that's a good thing, right? You're you're getting oh, your, yeah. your reps oh, yeah. in, I suppose. Chris is dope. Chris is dope. Raptors expert. Um, let's talk Precious. All right. So yeah. Precious, um, a player that it seems like the Raptors really did want. You know, not just in that uh, that heat trade, the sign and trade for Kyle Lowry, but the Raptors were very interested in just having Precious and, spe- yeah. and uh, specifically Masai Ujiri. He wanted Precious on the roster. He wanted him uh, back in 2022, but uh, things didn't work out that way. And uh, Precious said that when they saw each other after the deal became finalized, Precious said, finally. And Masai was <laughs> like, you're mine now. <laughs> Yeah, I would need okay. yeah, to the press conference. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, which uh, is, uh, that's cool. Saying your mind now is like, okay, well, anyway, <laughs> not going to go down that path. But uh, intriguing player, right? And Nick Nurse has been speaking his praises a lot, especially the uh, past few days, saying that he has more in his arsenal than he had thought and that there aren't too many things he can't do 
I'll push back on that a little bit because his hands aren't the best, but he is an interesting player, you know, 22 years uh -huh. old and there's so much going for him already. And he already has some of those uh, raw abilities with his athleticism that a lot of the other players, just like a Scotty Barnes OG had when they entered the NBA. And so he's going to be effective in some capacity. I would think it's just about how much. So what are your, uh, what are your expectations for, for Precious? Um, yeah, Precious is, I'm not surprised that Nick Nurse is a huge fan already. Like, I think he said yesterday in his press conference that Precious is someone who's going to be in the thick of things, like, right away. So I, I'm not surprised. I saw him at Summer League. Um, he is a, the type of player who just fills in the gaps in the offense really well. He's just always happens to be in the right place for, you know, he'll catch it and dunk it. He always mm -hmm. seems to just be in the correct positioning. I think that's just a uh, uh, testament to his IQ on the court. Um, yeah. it, you, when it, you, some players just are always maximizing where they are. They always know what, where they can um, benefit the team on the offense. They always know where it looks a little empty on the court. So uh, I think that he's the perfect type of player for this roster. Um, you know, outside of the top scorers, you need those guys to, uh, I, it's actually a skill that I want to see Gary Trent improve on too. So, yeah. um, I feel like Gary Trent, someone who needs high usage. I want to see him be that efficient, productive player on lower usage as well. Um, so, it, you know, I wouldn't be surprised either if we see precious, you know, immediately heading into the season, getting significant minutes. Oh, you went to a summer league, right? Yeah. 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 Well, I got to see, uh, precious. He was, <laughs> He was consistently like every night putting out ridiculous numbers. Like it was mm -hmm. actually insane at some points. <laughs> there was a particular play that I remember from one of the games. I can't remember who it was, but it was uh, towards the the end of a game. And he had did a he did a contest around the free throw line, and then the player passed the ball uh, just under the basket, and then he like sprinted over and he contested that. And I was just like, that's a yeah. crazy kind of athleticism that you can't teach. Either you have that or you don't. And he has it. So. The Raptors love projects. That's kind of their thing that they love taking yeah. players that just have this natural athleticism and abilities that you can't really teach. And then they're like, okay, exactly. let me help you uh, become a better dribbler. Let me help you with your jump shot. Let me help you have more presence on the court and with, understand angles on offense and defense. And he's a, a great project for the, for the Raptors yeah. because the upside is massive. And I'm, <clears throat> I, I'm keen to see how he can, uh, kind of carve out a role for himself off that bench because we uh, we know Malachi Flynn, um, again, another great prospect that the Raptors have and that he had a really good uh, rookie year, but he's going to need help, right? Oh, yeah. Um, he needs the... Yeah, he needs that big man to be kind of an extension of himself. Uh, I think, I, like... Uh, Kyle needed that with his starting big men. I think that uh, Fred needed, needed it less because I feel like he, he leans more towards being a shooting guard. But Malachi, he's like a traditionalist point guard. He's a guy who wants to pass. You know, I saw it in summer league as well. He wants to get other guys going. It's what he he's looking to do when he catches the ball. So um, him and I would love to see Malachi, Precious, and Scotty develop like really good bench chemistry, be like kind of a new bench mob situation. Because <laughs> yeah. I think that they have the potential and throwing Utah there too. They have like a very interesting collection of um, players that can really, I feel like, um, just wipe out other bench units. And they should, right? That, that should be their goal. <clears throat> that was one of the things that I wrote down for Malachi uh, yesterday is like be the leader of the bench um, in some capacity. Maybe Goran Dragic obviously could uh, factor into that or some of the starters and some spot minutes. But like win your minutes, be like the constant that 
you know, anyway, the things go with the starters, like we are going to be the people that are going to win our, you know, 18 minutes or so we're going to, we're going to be a plus. And that would be a great thing for the Raptors. And Precious is a huge part of that. As Eric Flynn has pointed out, you know, Malachi is one of the best uh, pick and roll point guards in the nation. And uh, Precious is a good person for him to have alongside him. He was, yeah, he was in college. He was easily the best pick and roll um, prospect, I think, in the in the in the draft that was one of his um high points his pick and roll uh, mastery was just very advanced uh for being a college player so i would love to see that translate onto the court especially since that's not fred's strong point so for him to have like a, a malachi to balance that out it would really help out no question a bit of snarl to his game is what precious said i have a bit of snarl to my game and so <laughs> nick said that he's like i got a bit of snarl and precious was, was like um i like to throw the first punch so um yeah love that kind of stuff love him pointing at dudes when he dunks on them that's all good stuff we could do some of that that. yep speaking of players who've been dunked on let's move on to utah oh no (laughs) i didn't want to do that that was not intentional but i I mean we can't not address that (laughs) anthony edwards dunk because oh boy wow 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 no, I've already forgotten it. Like, why did you mention it? I didn't even remember it. And then you. <laughs> sorry, sorry. You tell such a nice guy and like he, the Raptors crowd uh, being in Toronto specifically, they're, they're going to love him. Um, obviously, he's not uh, guaranteed to make the team, but it would be kind of surprising if he didn't. So yeah, I would. Yeah. As our final person that we talk about on the podcast, uh, Utah. OK, so. At the end of last season, um, Nick had said that he wanted Utah beca- to become like pretty much unconscious from three. He shot 40% last year, which is very, very good. Uh, in April, it was 45%, which again, very, very good. But then, you know, May was like 37. The uh, March was like 38. So you want to find that consistency and that would be a great step for him. And if he, even, even if he just does that, right, his impact on the court in other ways is going to make him a constant in the roster or in the rotation. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and I can see why Nick would say that because if he was, if Utah was to be, uh, to become um, uh, just a sniper from the perimeter, um, yeah. that would he would be easily one of the most um, uh, he would be uh, one of the most valuable role players in the NBA. <laughs> like you consider his um, sneaky passing ability that he already has, uh, his defensive versatility, his defensive um, mm-hmm. discipline that he already has that everyone's always praising. Like he's not somebody who's going to jump out a shot attempt. Uh, when you consider all those things, that's an easy way for him to become one of the top role players. Um, one of the metrics that's tracked is like miles ran per, per game. And actually Fred is one of the the highest players in the NBA in that category. But I wonder what like Utah would be during his time, because he's like constantly sprinting. I've never, I don't, you don't see that a lot. He's like nonstop running. He plays like 20 minutes or 18 minutes and he's gassed. I'm gassed watching him. Um, and that's a, it's a quality that you can't really teach. And it's something yeah, that uh, is very, yeah, it's very uh, valuable uh, as a player coming off the bench. And, you know, the fact that he's willing to accept his role, that uh, this is what I do. I'm a three-point shooter. Um, I drive to the bucket sometimes. I'm a cutter. And I play like a crazy amount of defense. That is what I want to do. That's how I want to help the team. And having players that are willing to do that, just like I think Scotty Barnes is going to be able to, to do this year, just this year, is that they're so devoted to winning. And they're, mm-hmm. they're accepting that that is the first thing that they want to do. They want to help out the team. Um, that would be massive. And if he is able to raise his 
three-point shooting percentage like up to you know 42 or something like that even though it was 40 last year which was great but if you get up there like Danny Green when he was in in Toronto in that one season that was he was at 45 percent yeah it was ridiculous I mean, for the regular season for the regular season for the regular season <laughs> yeah um that would be amazing right like become like unconscious become like an absolute bucket from anytime he gets a three-point shot that would just be so cool yeah yeah, and that would that would just change him into. We may not be able to afford him if he continue if he does something like that. He's outlined that he uh, he does want to you know be less hesitant on with his offensive game. He mentioned that uh, today actually um, yeah. during his media veil that uh, you know last year he was thinking about not didn't want to do the wrong thing. That's again wanting to impress his coach, make his team happy. But part of his learning is that he has to realize that. Uh, him driving and looking for a shot a little bit, even his version, because he's not going to go uh, out of his way with it. He's not going to be Chris Boucher when he's trigger happy. It's going to be like, you're just going to take a few more shots per game. Like it's going to help what they do on the offensive end because he is such a good passer. And so if you're able to draw a few defenders because he's pretty quick, um, pretty agile at his size, it's going to help uh, the Raptors a lot. So once again, anything else on Utah or are we wrapping up this pod? Yeah, what what do we have left, Scotty? Uh, we covered Scotty yesterday. Are there any other players? Okay, okay, okay. Do, but are there players that you do want to talk about? Because um, I mean, we got Freddie G, we got Ishmael, Sam Decker, Reggie. Uh, those are guys that I thought we could, you know, maybe talk about next week when we get some preseason yeah. games. But if you want to talk about Freddie or Ish, I'm I'm game. No, no, no. I, I want to see preseason games with those guys. I saw them in summer sure. league um, and I saw a lot of good things, but um, yeah, I want to get some preseason runs uh, to see uh, what those guys look like and what they look like with the um, guaranteed uh, rotation uh, players. So um, yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's keep that for <laughs> next week. Actually, I mean, while, while I have you because you are here um, ish, right. Cause I didn't, yeah. uh, I didn't get a good look at it myself during summer league and uh you kind of see the physical tools, like a lot of the players that the Raptors have brought in. But yeah. what did you see from from summer league? Um, the energy on the defensive end was insane. Like he, I feel like he scared the opposition's players at some points. Like he's just he's diving for the ball. He is like he's all hands on deck, which I think yeah. that, that I think Nick Nurse would love that for like an end of bench guy or even like a G League guy. I would not be surprised. Hmm. Um, great to hear. Yeah, he's going to be a PJ Tucker type could use a few of those on the, on the team. It seems like they have a lot of them, but um, you know, his physical tools, again, we keep on talking about that are very impressive. Um, I'm not sure if anyone's going to be able to back him down because he yeah. is so strong. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on some other dudes later on. Um, Yasmin, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you all for listening for another episode of the Raptors over everything podcast. And we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. 